0: Welcome to episode 84 of the Half Point for Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co host, Dalton Willie. Uh, producer Johnny Pham is currently stuck in Boise, Idaho. Just went airbound in his plane about five seconds before we hit record on this podcast. So, no Johnny this week. But, Dalton, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening?
1: I am doing wonderful. If we had had this podcast after the Kansas City Chiefs game on Sunday, I would not be feeling so great. Uh it's weird because two weeks ago I looked at the slate of games and I was like, Man, these games all suck. It's gonna be a cruddy week of NFL football. Turned out to be a really exciting week. Uh I looked at week three and I was like, Man, I love this slate. It's gonna be a blast. It sucked. It was absolutely horrible. Yep. Week three was not a good time. Fantasy wise, there weren't a lot of fun outcomes for anybody. And I'm ready to
0: get on to week four. We're on to Cincinnati. Anytime you have one game that's fourteen to twelve and another that's eleven to ten, and it's probably four of the best. Well, okay, we'll take the well. The Broncos won, so probably four of the best fifteen teams in the league, ish. Broncos just because of their defense right now, and you have a combined what like forty something points. Uh, that that's kind of how the weekend went fantasy wise, and just from a from a gambling perspective. You know, you would have thought if I hit Jags' money line, it would have been a great gambling weekend. But it, I was in on the Chiefs. I was in on the Bills. And that was two teams that found about 85 different ways to not only not win, period, obviously not, not cover. And they both probably should have done both.
1: Yeah, I put eight units on the <laughs> Chiefs, which is a significant amount of money that I will never get back. So thank you, Chris Jones. Um And... You know the other fun thing is that our Sunday night football game, the Broncos and the Niners. They had a they had less combined passing attempts in that game than Josh Allen had in the Miami game. Mm-hmm. Like it was just horrendous football. It wasn't fun to watch. It, it was just a credit week. Cover two and cover three
0: and quarters are just ruining the league right now. <laughs> you know what though? We're gonna keep the negative spin from the beginning of the show all the way through because today we've got a patience or panic special. We made a lot of preseason calls, as any podcast does, that that podcast multiple months before the season. And some of these guys we felt strongly about in a positive way. Some we did not. But we're now three weeks in. We don't know a lot, but we know more than we did before the season, obviously. And and there are some things that are starting to take shape. So I think it's time for a little patience or panic uh, to see where we're at on some guys who... I mean, let's face it. There are a lot of guys who are not off to the best start. The whole running back position really is not off to the best start. Like, if you just look at the top 12, um, the point totals aren't that far off. Just looking on a year-by-year basis the first three weeks, although there's, like, no big explosion guy at the top like there has been some other years early in the season. But just looking at the last couple of years, it's all the usual suspects in the top 12, just in, in some order with maybe like one or two changes. You don't usually have a Jamal Williams as the RB7 through week three. Usually that's a week one thing, and yeah. it goes away. So it's been been kind of a weird start for running backs. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the running back position as a whole right now. And I, I just think it probably feels worse because the RB is one and two pre-draft are what the RBs 9 and 10 10 and 11 11 and 12 somewhere in there Jonathan Taylor and Chris McCaffrey are both fringe top 12 and then Derrick Henry had two bad weeks and, and one really good week
1: yeah I mean it's it's a bad it's a bad start for the the robust RB truthers um the NFL has just gone incredibly pass heavy and so many running back teams are just they're running backs by committee even teams like seattle which used to be tried and true one guy leading kind of the charge aren't doing it um and so it's really hard for you to pinpoint any of those value and you know, we'll talk about some guys later like austin eckler but even talents like josh jacobs are losing work to brandon bolden you know mm-hmm. it's 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 frustrating to watch and it's really hard to, to predict
0: some of these outcomes with running backs because of it mm-hmm. um I guess I'll be interested to to see, because usually outside of, there was one year, I believe it was 2014, where it was like the Odell Beckham Jr. rookie year, Julio Jones went crazy, and Antonio Brown had one of his massive years, where I believe those guys were like three of the top four or five picks the following year. So we're a long ways away from next draft season, but I'll be curious as this year goes on. If we get some course correction, if some of those top running backs really start to stand out and it'll be a storyline to watch as we go forward, because we may be be fighting a wide receiver as number one overall pick. If this, if this keeps up for all the top running backs, we're a long ways off of that where we should go back to is the patience or panic though. And I think where we have to start is the cover boy himself for this podcast, and when I say cover boy, I mean the YouTube thumbnail, and that is DJ Moore Dalton. I don't even want to go back and look at exactly where I had him ranked in the preseason, but I think it was either wide receiver eleven or wide receiver twelve. Pretty confident I had him top twelve because that was one that was my my breakout candidate too. So I guess I don't know how you did it. I I just went scale of one to ten. Did you go one to ten, one to five? I went one to ten. Ten being panic okay okay so we're on the same page that's good I'm at a seven with DJ Moore right now and honestly if I didn't have a lot of faith in him as a player it would be higher because I am very concerned about the situation he's found himself in uh I thought it was going to be better with Baker Mayfield I think a lot of us thought hey this is the best quarterback DJ Moore has ever had and it has just not been that through 3 weeks Baker has been terrible and DJ Moore he's just not getting volume. I don't know why that is. It's funny if you just search DJ Moore on Twitter, uh you're starting to get the Odell Beckham versus Baker Mayfield thing going on where it's like some people are saying, "Oh, DJ Moore is open." And they give their stat as to why. And then I read an Athletic article where it's like, "Actually, he is getting 2.3 yards on average in separation from defenders on targets which is tied for 20th lowest in the NFL but then you have his target set or the two point yards per a- average separation just on all routes but on his targets he is 1.92 which is marketably higher than the last two years yards of separation um so I don't really know what is going on there, we, we have clashing agendas, not, not a surprise. Feels like the Cleveland thing all over again, which isn't great. Um, this guy has 43 yards, or has yet to top 43 yards. He is currently the wide receiver 68. He's at less than seven points per game. Richie James Jr., Marvin, Her- Marvin Jones Jr., and Marquez Calloway are among the receivers that are averaging more points per game than DJ Moore. He has seven receptions for 88 yards total in three weeks. LaVisca Chennault has two more yards, and almost all of that came on a broken coverage play last week, which was like the only big play offensively for this team. They're playing at a snail's pace, and I just think you've got to bench him until further notice. Even if, you know, whether or not he's playing well or not, only 58% of his targets are catchable. That's 13% lower than he's had with any other quarterback in his career. There was one third down. It, w- it would have been like a 15 to 20 yard play. So not massive, but, you know, based on his production, that would that, that's like a fourth of what he has right now. That Baker just airmailed it like five feet over his head. Things just are not good right now. I think you have to bench him until further notice and just adjust expectations going forward and we're gonna have to see baker really pick it up in order to truly trust dj more even as a top 20 guy which is where he's finished each of the last couple of years that's what i think
1: yeah um i'm not feeling any more hopeful about it i haven't met a 10 wow Um, yeah the fantasy footballers came out and said he's a drop candidate at this point uh, which I wouldn't go that far because he's talented, but yeah, I could see in his I, shallow leagues, like a you know, Ro- Romeo Dubs, somebody like you could be going after on the waiver wire.
0: I'm not saying um, this is going to happen, but that kind of feels like when they and other people came out and said T. Higgins is a drop candidate early in the season last year. Not that DJ Moore is going to completely turn around like that, but I just have major reservations about dropping a guy that you took in the fourth, maybe third round depending on your league, this early on.
1: Yeah. Well, my bigger concern is I just don't have trust in anything around him at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matt Rule has to be, like, one foot out the door. there there. Are, he's terrible. Oh, he's terrible. And there are rumors that, like, Matt Rule's not showing up to meetings. He's not showing up to film because he just knows he's gone. He's, he's already talking to college teams about moving <laughs> on. Um, I really question, like, whether Baker Mayfield was a product of Kevin Stefanski or he does have some real talent and it might be a product of Kevin Stefanski. (laughs) Somebody Uh, said,
0: uh, I never thought I would see the day where I'm hoping for Sam Darnold to come back. It's like, that's how bad it is right now.
1: (laughs) Well, and I mean, to make matters worse, Jacoby Brissett is doing better than Baker did in the same system Baker had with maybe markedly worse weapons around him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Baker is legitimately bad he's not going to lead to an effective offense. He's not funneling it to his best two patch I mean, he's not on the list, but Christian McCaffrey's another guy where it's like, come on. Yeah. You're losing games and you're not doing checkdowns of Christian McCaffrey. You're getting sacked in the pocket. Um, there I, are, under-
0: I, I, I think he has like 11 or 12 targets this year there. Are, if you just go through the game logs of his healthy years, there are many games where he has at least that many, if not more targets in, in one game um and there are a lot of plays just if if you get the Panthers up you know they pop up on your red zone or you're watching them uh God forbid you have to watch the entire game of the Panthers because you're in their coverage area and don't have red zone there are so many plays where it's like hey man Christian McCaffrey's standing right there Baker you might want to quit holding on to the ball and eventually taking a sack is what happens most of the time and, and just I mean, it might only be three yards, but God, let Christian McCaffrey try and do something. Literally anything is better than Baker with the ball in his hand right now. Yeah.
1: So I'm a full panic on him. The underlying stats, there are some things that are good for him. His whopper, which is basically wins above replacement, is in the top third of all wide receivers in spite of like how poorly he's being utilized. Mm-hmm. The bigger issue is that this offense is treating him strictly as a vertical X receiver He's not getting moved around like other good receivers get. He's not getting, you know, slot snaps here and there, which he would win in. And if, I mean, they're just pigeonholing him, making it easy for defenses to to game plan against him. And you really hope if Matt Will gets fired, whoever the interim is, if it's Todd Munkin or someone else, um, that they just, they, they put some motion in this offense. They, they work this offense effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm at a 10 because I could see like a catastrophic season incoming for, the, for this Panthers team.
0: I could I could as well the only reason why I'm not right there with you is just because we've seen DJ Moore produce in such bad situations and I did look back he had a stretch last year that was similarly bad statistically to what what he's done through three weeks he he had that last year too and he had a stretch in 2020 of a couple games that are. That was not great, too. So he's been a little feast or famine at times. Uh, just, just hoping DJ Moore appears at some point because it is getting ugly. And if you started him three times, chances are you are 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh unless you have a lot of other very good players on your team right now.
1: Yeah, it's not good, especially if you went RB heavy and DJ Moore was your first wide receiver. You're probably in shambles.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. If you went RB heavy... You may have got Alvin Kamara in the second, maybe even third round, depending on when you drafted, what we knew about the legal stuff, and you probably felt great about it. Dalton, how are we feeling about Alvin Kamara right now through three weeks and through two games for him? He missed week two with the rib injury.
1: You know, I sat down, and I actually put him at, a, at an 8 initially, and then I dropped him down to a 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not overly concerned about him, because everything you want to be there is there. In the two games he's played, he's ran a route on 48% of Jameis' dropbacks. He's he's playing at that you know still-able-to-catch-balls position. He's the team's leading rusher. And he's losing some work, especially in the red zone, to Mark Ingram. Um, part of me not being concerned is just not – not thinking that Mark Ingram is a sustainable player to keep on the field. Yeah. Uh, and this Saints team is still competitive. I still like them. And I I feel like if they want to win games, they're going to start using him as a weapon, how he's supposed to be, which side out of the backfield. Dennis Allen, after week two, came out and said he doesn't want Jameis to keep taking these deep shots. Jameis tried to get in week three. <laughs> I think it's something they're going to game plan into it, where Alvin Kamara becomes his, you know, Dennis Allen told me to stop doing this and I can get benched. Andy Dalton could get reps over me. He is right now in part because of injury and he's going to start dumping off talent Camara. We're going to see those
0: games. And once he gets the ball in space, you know, he can do a lot of things. So Winston missed Camara on a wheel route. That would have been a touchdown. Probably we would probably feel differently about Camara if that play connects, but it didn't. And so here we are. I'm at a six. I'm like you where I started off more concerned, lowered it a little bit. The reason why I couldn't get down to more like a three or a four is because even though he is running the routes, like you say, we're on year, you know, we had a full year last year and now a couple games this year of he is just not being used as a pass catcher anymore. Since, since Drew Brees um, left and retired, he has five receptions in two games this year and he was at a career low by a very large margin last year he averaged 5.4 receptions per game with Drew Brees as a quarterback and he has that through two games right now you mentioned if they want to win they they should target him more yeah I, I think they would be wise to utilize him as a pass catcher more instead of like why are you handing it to him 18 times and it's it's very frustrating that not only are they doing that but then they're taking him off the field for Mark Ingram and then week one it was Taysom Hill even though he's a tight end. we got the Taysom Hill long run and a Taysom Hill wildcat touchdown in week one the other game that Kamara played this offense I don't they're gonna be average at best just because Jameis is going to be so up and down that doesn't mean there's not room for fantasy stars in this offense because we do like a lot of the weapons there but I think this is still one of the best rowing backs in the league I just hate the way he's being used and we're now on the the second year of this trend and I don't necessarily have the faith in, in Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston to to do the right thing but Kamara's still awesome so I still can't go go too too high with this that's kind of where I'm at yeah and I
1: agree like my concerns I'm I'm starting to lean back towards where I was before I liked the saints of the preseason, which was Dennis Allen's bad coach. Um, I think that's more right than wrong. I mean, for one, uh, I know I said it earlier, but him telling James not to utilize deep shots when that might be Jameis's like biggest asset as a quarterback um, is, is interesting.
0: And then like, well, said, and like, it's, it's a, it's like one of Olave's biggest strigs as a player yeah. too. the guy who you just trade up to take. Now, I understand where Dennis Allen is coming from because Jameis can't keep throwing interceptions and, and have them win games. I saw uh, – I had to laugh. I, I, I just like doing Twitter searches on all the guys uh, that we talk about just to kind of get a pulse of, of how other people are feeling that are non fancy football experts. And I saw the Saints fans. I was like, man – I, I forgot that every time we played the Bucks, I just felt great. It, it was it was a free win because Jameis would just throw picks. It sucks being on the other side of that right now. <laughs> no, and it's
1: true. Um, so you just hope as the season goes on, they, they lean into the skill sets of their players, and you kind of have to do that. Like the gimmicky Taysom Hill stuff just doesn't work all season. Mm-hmm. If Taysom Hill comes on the field, the team's going to stack eight in the box and ask him to throw because they know he can't. I mean, you just hope that those are the things that we get going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I never would have thought that Justin Jefferson would have even been a name to even think about on this type of show this early on. After he scored what I believe was 35 fantasy points, 34 fantasy points in week against one. Against
1: a really good Green Bay defense. Again, against
0: the good Green Bay defense. But Dalton, he has scored 10 fantasy points since that game. So he is the wide receiver eight. The counting numbers look good, but he had the huge week, week one, he had like seven points week two, and then it was two points last week. And not, it's not that receivers don't go through these stretches. Almost all of them do. I guess I just didn't expect Justin Jefferson to be one of those guys. I mean, we both had him as our one, our wide receiver one. Uh, How are you feeling about Jefferson at this point?
1: So I put a four, but there's there's a lot of stuff that I need to see in week four to move that number down and not up. A couple of things that he did in week one that the that the Vikings have just stopped doing, and I can't really make sense of it. In week one, he was put in motion on 28% of his snaps. Since then, he's been in motion on 12% in two games. In week one, he played 33 percent of his snaps out of the slot. He's only seen twelve snaps out of the slot since then. Yep. Those and, are
0: and, things- and KJ Osborne for the season now is at fifty eight point five percent out of the slot. So that that was one thing I had that was like eh, that's a little bit concerning because I want yeah. Jefferson to get those layups and he hasn't been getting them.
1: Well, and the snap where Jar where he had ten yards of separation from everybody came out of the snap against the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. I don't understand like why Kevin O'Connell suddenly transitioned him into a strict X role again. And is treating him like he's only an ex-receiver. And that's giving the teams they've played the ability to shadow him all game. That's why Darius Slade in the Eagles game was on him every snap because he wasn't moving. It was easy for the defenses to cue in on him and bracket coverage and put double coverage on him. So talent-wise, argue like arguably the best receiver in the league, top three, in my opinion, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, schematically. I don't really know what's going on. Like in the come behind game against the Eagles, if I was a fantasy manager, I would have been like, this is an easy week
0: that I'm going to rack up, you
1: know, 25 mm-hmm. JJ points. Dude got nothing.
0: You do have to come some slack. Uh, he was dealing with a Kirk Cousins yes. primetime prime game in week Kirk two. Uh, so that, that was a mitigating factor there. No, I I'm with you. I I'm only in a three. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's going to bounce back. This will look like a, a, a blip It in the radar by the end of the season. But for, for what it's worth, I thought I would show this on, on the YouTube channel here. This is part of the reason why he is struggling right now. This is him in the end zone or no, sorry. This is him down here on like the seven yard line. This is Adam Thielen wide open in the end zone. When he scores his touchdown, there are three defenders looking at him, none looking at Thielen. So that that's just the kind of attention that he's drawing and, and, and that he's getting right now. And the concern, I guess, with that would be is if Thielen is losing a step and Osborne isn't quite ready to be a two, maybe he keeps dealing with that attention. But I just have to believe his skill set and the Vikings, like I, I believe in O'Connell as an offensive coach, I think they'll be able to figure out ways to get him the ball because he is their best offensive player.
1: Yeah, eight targets a game to KJ Osborne, Just it just doesn't... Like, that's mm-hmm. not where you should be put, funneling your targets.
0: Mm-hmm. I am with you there. Okay. I'm curious where you are on Mr. Austin Eckler-Dalton. So he is the RB20, which on his face, obviously, isn't terrible. There are guys who are lower on this list. But this is a guy that at some points was going as high as RB2. I think by the time drafts came around, he was more... Like most drafts, he was more like the RB three to five, but still, this is a top six or seven overall pick. This is a guy that people took ahead of Stefan Diggs, ahead of Cooper cup, ahead of Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar chase, like you passed up on some serious receiver talent, uh, to, to take him. And even like at running back, you know, it would feel pretty bad if I had Eckler watching Saquon Barkley (laughs) these, these first couple of weeks, uh, so I guess I'll start on Eckler here, and I am pretty concerned. I'm trying to find my Eckler notes here. Oh, actually, I'm really concerned, even more concerned than I remembered. I'm at a 10. I'm at a 10 with Austin <laughs> Eckler. So, it's time to panic. I, I will give you and Evan Silva the credit for this, because you guys were the two <laughs> that I listened to who faded the Chargers offense coming into the season. Now, I will say... Evan had some more concrete reasons than than you did, but your logic was still sound as well. Evan basically said that it was because they're too slow. And right now, that looks like that is 100% true. They have no juice at any outside position. Uh, their coaching is just straight-up bad offensively right now. Eckler had four carries for five yards or something like that in, in Week 3. Now I know that they were losing, but... It wasn't like they were sparing him the workload or the snaps. He was still playing deep into the fourth quarter the other day when they were losing by multiple touchdowns. And so was Justin Herbert, by the way. Someone tell Brandon Staley it's not a rule that Justin Herbert has to finish every game. Um, maybe protect the guy a little bit. Between that and having the same doctor uh, inject him that did Tyrod Taylor. Not Not... Not loving everything going on with with that down there. So it is pretty difficult to be the least efficient runner and receiver in the NFL, but that is what Austin Eckler has the great privilege of being right now. Minimum 20 rushes and 20 carries. He is the least efficient on both counts. 2.5 yards per rush, 6.6 yards per catch. I can't say I watched all of their week one and week three game, but I can tell you the reason why against the Chiefs was because he was getting targets behind the line of scrimmage often, quite often. That, like, it, and Those are fine. Eckler can make guys miss, which he did a couple times, and make good plays out of it. And that is the only reason he's the RB20 is because he has a lot of receptions off of dump downs like that, quite frankly, right now. But it, it, it's just not pretty for this offense, not pretty for Eckler. They signed Sony Michelle like literally weeks before the season. He's out carrying. He's uh, he, he's out carrying. Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly is, is getting carries. I was at the the Chiefs Chargers game, and the Chargers fan who was sitting directly behind me couldn't believe how many times they were giving to guys that were not named Austin Eckler in the backfield. Um, this is from Ian Hardtins Dalton. You may have this stat because Ian's your guy. Uh, quarters one through three. Austin Eckler is the RB31 right now. Quarter four, he is the RB3. He has been saving himself in garbage time situations or in the Chiefs game just when when they were behind late in the dump game. And, and he was catching dump downs when they were down two touchdowns to go score their last one. But it is not pretty. He is... Not only losing rushes, he is losing goal line rushes. And he basically has to score touchdowns to cash in on on the value that he was drafted at. Because he was drafted at that value because he scored like 19 touchdowns last year.
1: Yeah. No, uh, I have him at a 9. But part of the reason I didn't put him at a 10. And at first I had him at a 7. Because I was like, well, I had him at like RB12. Season so Mm -hmm. like he's really not underperformed but then i was like well most people were taking him as yeah top three pick.
0: it's kind of tough to separate like what you thought of a guy versus what consensus was when when doing because i had a couple that was like derrick henry is is a prime example that we'll get to here in a minute
1: yeah and um so definitely if i drafted him that high i'm panicking Mm -hmm. if you somehow got him at the one two turn i think you're fine um but I do feel really good about my Chargers take at this point because like the the terrible situation has unfolded for them. Uh you didn't get to it, but the Rashawn Slater injury yep. adds even more negativity around this offense. Even with Keenan Allen coming back, I have multiple Jaguars defense is probably like actually good, mm-hmm. um, but scoring 10 points against them is questionable. When you're supposed to be a top five NFL offense, that's yeah. something you shouldn't be doing, especially when the key, like it wasn't like your special teams and your defense were making mistakes like the chiefs were having last week. It and and generally their offense couldn't get the ball. moving. Yeah. Through.
0: And it wasn't even like the, the bills where they, they ran a million plays had a ton of yards and they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. It, it was just they weren't moving the ball. Yeah. And they it's not like they have really lit the world on fire offensively the first three weeks. I, I don't want to overreact to that too much because, like, you know, to be fair, the Chiefs, since week one, the offense hasn't been great. But I think we, we both still have faith. We're a little biased, but we still have faith. That's, again, that's a good offense. And so give the Chargers a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But... This is, this is an Andy Reid versus Brandon Staley thing, too. Like, I just don't think the offensive coaching and play calling is, is good at all. And I don't have faith it's going to be at any point this year.
1: Well, and this is... I was going to get to this on Joe Burrow, but it fits here, too. There's now a year of tape on Justin Herbert. There's a year of tape on Joe Burrow. And it's up to the coaching staffs to have effective play calling to get out of the rhythm that those offenses fall into. And Kansas City is a good example. Last year... Cover two wrecked them for the first seven weeks, and then afterwards they figured it out and they fought it all the way up until the second quarter of the Chargers game. The the same thing is happening to both those quarterbacks, and offensively you're not seeing them adjust. You're seeing them trying to fit a round peg into a square hole, mm-hmm. and it's just not working. Teams are falling down low for the Eckler checkdowns, and then they're going over top and not letting a Mike Williams kill them. And the only zone breaker this team had was Keenan Allen who hopefully plays this week and gives them some semblance of an effective offense.
0: You mentioned Mike Williams. I've just got to say, you know, I know he's up and down. I know that's that's what you're going to get out of Mike Williams. But to get, I think he was two receptions for 15 yards and a touchdown. To do that in a game where there's no Keen Allen and your team is getting killed, like, how are you not better? How do you not produce more in that spot? That, that was really disappointing uh, from somebody who is a, a Mike Williams believer before the season. Well, and I
1: didn't want to bring it up, but since we're around that, um, I was reading The Athletic and one of the Chargers beat writers went out and said that Josh Palmer has just flat out played better than Mike Williams last two weeks, including the Chiefs game, um, which I don't know if that's necessarily true. But if you're a Chargers fan, it, it's just not good. Like offensively, you don't want that happening. I think uh, Palmer ended like eight for 99 on that game, too. Mm-hmm. And Mike Williams was just a no show against a cornerback and crew that isn't very good.
0: Yep. So just to put a bow on Eckler, the offense is in a bad place right now. He's not getting that much work in the rushing game, he's not getting much work in the red zone. And their best offensive lineman just got hurt. Herbert is dealing with the rib injury that I think he's going to be dealing with for at least the next couple of weeks. And we will see if he is able to heal his ribs and and get them crushed on the football field every week simultaneously. I have my doubts, but these things work out in ways I do not understand when it comes to those sorts of, of health things. Felt anything else on Eckler before we jump to the next guy here? No, I think that's it. I might be looking to get off him if I could,
1: because he still has like some good stats. If he has a good touchdown week, that's when I would. Trade yeah.
0: Him. I was going to say, I think I'm waiting for a good week because there, there's going to be a good week and I would get off of him quickly. Mm-hmm. And speaking of a guy that I would love to get off of if I could, and I did in our dynasty league uh, to you, That is Russell Wilson. Um, We have said our piece a couple of times already about this Broncos offense. And since then, they went out and scored 11 points, basically nine, because Jimmy G gifted them the other two by going full Dan Orvalski and running out of the back of the end zone. But, I mean, Russell Wilson right now is the QB 25. He's averaging 13 points per game. Uh, I don't remember what he scored in week one, but I think week one is his high mark right yeah, now. It's 17 points week one. And and we remember how bad things looked in week one. It's been worse since then. This offense looks just lost. Quite frankly, I struggle to find a- anything good to say about him besides Javante Williams occasionally looks good on his rushes. And Hey, Melvin Gordon uh, looks okay too, I guess when he gets the ball and like,
1: and Cortland Sutton's the only fuck no. <laughs> Cortland Sutton's the only guy on their offense that can target when they pass the ball.
0: Apparently. I've been an eight with Russell Wilson. It was real hard not to go higher. Um, he's just not as good as he used to be. He's just not. The only time they moved the ball the other night was when he scrambled. They had the one drive where they went down and scored, where he scrambled two different times and He made the kind of vintage Russ play where he's scrambling to his left and like cyborg arms the ball out somehow perfectly to his receiver. And then he had another scramble to pick up a a third down that was able to that was enough to get them a touchdown. But I I liked Russ before the season. I, I will say I feel pretty vindicated about saying just because he's always had top 12 receiver does not mean he's going to this year. Because yes, I think Russ is a big problem, a big part of this problem. I think the coach is a big problem. I also just don't think these receivers are as good as everybody wanted them to be. When Russ went there and we were imagining a Tom Brady in Tampa, Matthew Stafford in LA type of resurgence for this Broncos offense where these receivers have kind of been in, in quarterback wasteland for the last couple of years. It's just that they just aren't, as good as the receivers Russ had before, or as the receivers that Tom Brady walked into in Tampa, or in the case of Cooper Cup specifically, uh, that Matthew Stafford walked into in LA too. And I just don't think Russ is capable game in game out of making these plays with his feet. He did it on the one drive and that was enough in that game, but we've been seeing it less as the years go on. Um, the Athletic pod. Did you listen to the Athletic pod where they broke down the Broncos' offense by chance? Yeah, it was horrible. It was very. I mean, it it was. It was very grim. Basically, they are of the belief that the game has kind of passed Russell Wilson by. Like the way that he wants to play, which is just constant deep shots, twenty-five yards down the field. These are some quotes. Not built for the way football is played today. Not a creative thrower. Not a twitchy thrower. And that doesn't mean he's like not like scrambling, not creative that way. This is like the different arm angles and like getting the ball out quick. Like they made the point, which I think this is very valid. They're trying to run some of the quick hitter stuff that like the Packers will run with Rodgers is what they said. And Russ just has never really thrown those. He, he's That's just not ever been his game. And I don't know if it's ever going to be. At this point, he is on the other side of 30. He's going to have to evolve, I think, to really truly hit as a as a starting quarterback for fantasy right now. And I, I just don't – I don't know, Dalton, do you think Russ is going to be a consistent top 12 quarterback the rest of the way? No. I mean, I have him at a 7, so I'm
1: pretty in line with you. And uh, I debated going a little lower even on it because when you look at this offense – on paper, it's legitimately the worst in the NFL. Yeah. The only passing offense that is worse is Chicago, and they have 23 completions. Yep. Um, but like as an actual full unit, including rushing, their 32nd and first down success rate, which then leads to these situations where they have to do these moonshots. Um, a little pushback, I think Cortland Sutton might be the only thing that has their passing offense even moving. Uh yeah. and,
0: I, I I think Russ needs and the to dump downs to Javante Williams, who is the number two guy in, in target share on the team yeah. right now, <laughs> which is equally
1: frustrating the way these dump downs play out because uh. it's not like a drawn up design play to go to Javante. It's like Russ has had the ball for four seconds. Doesn't yep. see anything downfield turns to his left and throws it to Javante. who's a linebacker five yards in front of
0: him. Yep. And he has to make a guy make like one or two guys miss to pick yep. up four yards. Which he's good at, but you just hate that. Yep. As as
1: it, uh, so I think this offense has to get better. Um, if they don't, I think there's like a very good possibility. There's a midseason Nathaniel
0: Hackett is no longer the coach here. He's just uh, terrible. He is so horrible. bad. You know, the only positive thing anybody can say about him is that he's Aaron Rodgers' friend. Aaron Rodgers told me that he made football fun for him again, and Nathaniel Hackett does not get easily offended. So Aaron Rodgers can say whatever he wanted to do to him. That is the list of good things that people have to say about Nathaniel Hackett. It has nothing yeah, to people- do with him as a football coach, and I think the nat- there's been people that I've seen that are on top of this. He was brought in to bring in Aaron Rodgers. That did not happen, and... I don't really think he's ready to be a head coach. He is showing that right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the offense is vanilla and they're not orchestrating effective plays. Um, this week against the Raiders is like a win or lose game and the Raiders are like third in the NFL in pressure rate, which is very bad for us and very bad for an offensive line in Denver that struggled. And I think it's going to be a – because if you lose to an 0-3 Raiders in division rival, like it's it's looking really bad. And they they need to adapt. The way Jerry Judy is being utilized is absurd. Russell Wilson's deep ball is obviously not there. We saw that week one in Seattle. I mean, he has to grow as a passer. And you feel like a guy who's been in the NFL for 10 years, like has the propensity to be able to do some check down and some early down work. Um, so that's one reason reason He's not like a full tilt 10 for me is I just think he's a talented and a smart quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if we're at week eight and they're still doing the same stuff, I, I don't even know why you'd roster him over guys like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they're the same player, but at least Jimmy Garoppolo operates in his offense and gives his playmakers opportunities.
0: I did not think we'd be at, at week, week four. And I'd already, I, and I, with me being already like, yep. Uh, give me Tua over Russell Wilson. Every time yeah. as my starting quarterback right now, it, it is not good right now. I I'm with you that he is still a very talented quarterback. and, I am hoping that there is a feeling out process going on between coach and player, and they're able to get some things figured out. But I'm concerned, and I'm parking him on the bench until he he's it's show me it's show me mode right now with Russell Wilson in fantasy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that entire offense is something that I would not want to rely. On. Even Javante, like teams are just going to start putting eight guys in the box. I'm like, okay, Russ, do you have anything in the tank? I would hate to be a franchise that put 250 million in him before seeing him play
0: yeah yeah um imagine <laughs> imagine doing that not fun okay this one could be kind of quick i think darnell Mooney. are we both the 10 right now with darnell Mooney? if you're um, in
1: a re league and you have him on your team you should probably drop him drop I him mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
0: it's it's defcon one they have like you said 23 completions through three weeks i said this on the waiver show that is the lowest since 1982 just think about how rem- since 1982 Think about how different the NFL was back then. It is almost impossible. How many teams have probably had more completions than that this year in one game? Twenty teams? At least. Like like that's just crazy. Darnell Moody has four receptions for twenty seven yards right now. Well, and to be fair, that
1: what is that, like a twenty five percent target share? <laughs> yes. He is he is
0: he is literally at twenty five percent target share right now. Um Justin Fields has thrown through multiple picks last week where it was no. like not to
1: under uh, like
0: understate that those were just picks. Those were horrible. Those yeah. were like sky balls. Yeah. He was, I, I said this in our group chat. He's like me playing Madden where I see the safety is there. And I'm just like, you know what? I can fit it in this window between cornerback and safety to my guy. Either one of them was just a straight vertical route. The other one was a post over the middle. Both of them. He overthrew both of them. Look up. Like they were intended for the safety instead of the cornerback. And, even more puzzling for Fields, on pressure dropbacks, he is only attempting a pass that counts as a target 36% of the time. That is a league worst in the NFL by 6%. The NFL average is 60%. That tells me, number one, he is not seeing the blitz at all. He is slow to make reads. that We know he's had a problem with holding the ball too long, and it's just it's just not good. It's just it's really, really bad. And that's obviously hurting Mooney. What doesn't help Mooney either is he has no good weapons around him. He is a wide receiver three who has to masquerade as a wide receiver one. Um, and then all you have to do if you if you're actually afraid of the Bears throwing the ball, just blitz them. Just 44% of his passes are leading to target-worthy throws on on blitzes. And when I say target-worthy, the other options are a scramble, a throwaway, a sack, or a batted-down pass. That is also the worst in the NFL. To give you an idea, the league average against blitzes for passes leading to a target is 81%. He is at 44%. Aaron Rodgers is at 100%, by the way, which is... uh, Kind of remarkable. Uh Burrow was second to last in that category. So that might also show you a little something that, that's wrong with, with Burrow right now too. But Fields is very bad. This offense is not throwing. Mooney has four receptions through three games. I do not want him on my roster. Maybe he'll be a waiver wire ad later in the season. But there's just no point in holding him right now.
1: Yeah. And I want to be clear because I saw this comparison. People were like, well, we gave up on Brandon Aiyuk too soon last year. It's, it's entirely different like brand Ayuk wasn't getting snaps on the field this team's just not passing and Mm -hmm. it's not that they're in close games they were down multiple scores to the packers and they were like justin fields is going to get nine attempts this game like that's what we're going to do we're going to run the ball if you have just on this team and i mean any drop them like Mm -hmm. they should be off your roster montgomery and herbert and like in a two qb league justin fields are the three players who are worth starting on this team everybody else should be off it Cole Komet is not going to be a top 12 tight end. His no. hype is gone. Yeah. Like it, It's over. Um, I I would not hold any assets on this team except for the running backs and maybe fields until I see anything different.
0: Yep. Cole Komet had two receptions last week, probably was like uh, about 20% of of their catches last week.
1: Yeah. I'd hate to be a dynasty owner, heavily invested in the Chicago Bears.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, love that. All right. Derrick Henry, uh, I'll start. I am at a two. I feel like you might be higher because you suggested him, but not positive on that. I I know the first two weeks were not good. It was like eight points each of those first two weeks. But on top of him getting back on track as a running machine, which he is when he really gets going last week, he actually got a 40% target share which I'm not saying that's going to continue, but it's just something to monitor because this offense needs explosiveness, needs big plays in the passing game literally any way it can muster it. And getting Derrick Henry the ball just on screen passes and dump downs is a great way to do it. Five receptions for 58 yards, basically 12 a pop uh, through the air. If he can actually get any kind of receiving work, on a consistent basis, that would really help his floor and make me feel pretty good about him going forward because there are going to be up and down weeks with the caliber of team I think the Titans are if he's a run-only guy. But he's still the only game in town. He's still really good. He's going to get every goal line rush that Ryan Tannehill doesn't somehow convert for a touchdown. My worry, like, maybe if I drafted Derek Henry as the RB3, I'd be a little bit more worried, but... I don't know. I still think this is a top 8-10 to running back the rest of the way if he's healthy. So I, I'm just not – I'm not too concerned right now. What, what, what do you say? I put him at RB – or, sorry, at 5. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not
1: overly concerned, but I'm also, like, not feeling incredibly optimistic about him going forward. Um, I do think he's going to be a little more of a game script-dependent player. I think part of the reason he he,
0: he always has been, but the thing with the Titans is they are, they have somehow always found themselves or or more often than not found themselves in great game script. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: And last week, I think part of the reason for his targets, not to like wipe them aside and say it's not going to happen again, is like the Raiders were blitzing at such a high rate. Tannehill, unlike Russell Wilson, who we just talked about. Uh, is intelligent enough just to throw the check down right away. And that was Derrick Henry because their RB room is trash. Uh, Mike Vrabel somehow is just a better coach than I give him credit for every year. Mm -hmm. Like, he's kept him in all of these games. Losing to the Giants doesn't look so bad anymore. Um, But, like – Derrick Henry has still continued to fall off in a lot of his underlying stats. His yards per carry is the lowest he's seen of his career. This offensive line is also the worst he's had of his career. Yeah, so, yep, the and, and they, lose, yep, they lose the one for the
0: season. Big, big yeah, low. Their right so.
1: tackle, it was like 38th in the NFL so far in pressure rate, which is hard to do when they're only 32 right tackles. Mm. Um, so there's definite problems there. I do feel like pretty good about my RB 10 ranking of him preseason because I think he's in line to kind of finish there. Mm. I think he's a touchdown dependent RB one. Um, yep. I don't know if the efficiency is ever going to be there again, and you're going to be praying for checkdowns and touchdowns. And that's just the Derrick Henry show now.
0: I, I think like the overall finish might end up being better than that, but the ride won't be because he's going to have some spike weeks and down weeks. I think, and and he's he's the RB 13 right now which i think kind of underscores my point that he's had two bad weeks and one good week and that one good week already put him at the rb 13 and he's right there with jonathan taylor and christian mccaffrey just a couple spots behind but
1: you can't pencil in that jags game for twice a year anymore no they're not a pushover you can't just think derrick henry's gonna get 28 carries and whop them so and i the other thing and this is like not predictable at all He is old. He has a lot of miles on him. I still think, like, injury is a possibility. And Dontrell Hilliard is a guy, like, I would definitely be keeping on rosters in redraft. Uh, For instance, I would not have Darnell Moody. I would have Dontrell Hilliard Mm -hmm. if you were picked with those two. Um, But, you know, that's just a little aside there. Yeah, but I'm not super – like, I'm going to start him every week and feel confident that he's going to be a guy I can trust to to do something for me.
0: Yep. Okay. I mean, even though I'm at a two, I definitely understand – the five i don't think we're overall i don't think we're too far off on derrick henry uh kyle pitts where are you at on kyle pitts at this point uh he was just slightly better than darnell mooney through two weeks and then got back on track last week and that is good enough to have him in the top 20 tight ends top 20 yay tight end 17 through three weeks kyle pitts um this
1: was like a hard one for me to do because, one, I still think Kyle Pitts is legitimately good. Yeah. Wouldn't have gone fourth overall had he not it not be a very good player. Um, I put him at a four. And part of that is, like, if you're panicking with him, you're you're not dropping him, one. And, two, anybody you go to to trade him is going to be, like, good, good luck. Like, honestly, good luck trading him for any, like, tangible asset that you can get in return.
0: Well, and that's why I think, you know, Kyle Pitts was, is never a guy – like that type of player, that profile, that mid that third or fourth round tight end, he's never a guy I draft. But the way he ends up on my team is a situation like right now where you can buy low. Yeah. I think this is a good buy low, even off of the good week.
1: I agree, um, and I agree. I agree through and through. We have the same way we would approach the draft. He wouldn't have been a guy we targeted. It is like just i do not like arthur smith as a coach he's up there with shanahan at this point and how i feel about their press <laughs> conferences he's like well why would we target this guy we have drake london and the next week he goes out and obviously he's trying to prove a point because kyle pitts is getting screens mm-hmm. um i do i know fantasy twitter loves like the the florida get like t- kyle pitts is lining up out wide as a wide receiver in college i think he might be better off at this point in his career in line they're, they're playing basically line playing him at, at wide receiver right yeah. now yeah, I think he could be better off just playing in line if that changes. At least be a little bit him. more. At least a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Yeah, he still is a tight end. Um, so I'm not like panicking, definitely not dropping him. And when it comes to like the tight end position, there is Travis Kelsey, there is Mark Andrews, there is everybody else. Mm. Um, I think you and be were pretty concerted in that boat in the offseason. I still I feel pretty vindicated that Kyle Pitts will get there. I don't know when, uh, but I feel like he's still gonna have his blow-up games. Like if someone comes to you and says, "I have Zach Ertz, let's do Ertz for Kyle Pitts," I wouldn't do that. Zach Ertz is also the tight end five right now, but like Kyle Pitts has the ability to go for thirty points. Like those are in his outcomes, and eventually teams will adjust for Drake London, and I think that gives Kyle Pitts better opportunity.
0: Uh, you mentioned the some of the Arthur Smith stuff uh, with with Pitts. Do you want to guess what the Falcons' record is the last two years when Kyle Pitts goes over eighty <laughs> yards receiving? Is it like three to0 because only happened 3-0? they're four and oh when Kyle so goes over goes over 80 yards oh. receiving so hey he Arthur' still put a
1: touchdown in America by
0: the way Arthur Smith you want to win uh maybe get this guy the ball because you're four and0 What you do just uh, a thought and yeah um Maybe someday he will start scoring touchdowns. He is still stuck on one touchdown, zero American touchdowns. There are bad NFL players that score more touchdowns than that on a weekly basis in in one game. I'm with you, though. I have him as a three, even with his coach saying everything that he did. The very next game, he goes out, puts up a five for 87. And I know, like, for me, he's a buy low. If you're on the other end of that and you want to sell him, just know that number one, you made a mistake drafting him where you did. And number two, if you sell him, you are going to feel very bad about it when he has these big games because even though he won't live up to the pre draft hype, I don't think, he's going to have big games. He is going to win you weeks at the tight end position, putting up those 15, 20, maybe even 25 point games. If God forbid he ever scored multiple touchdowns in one week or maybe even just one, I don't know. But let's just, let, let's just recenter ourselves and think about the type type of prospect and the type of young player this guy has been and is he was a number four overall pick no tight end has ever been drafted higher in the draft than where he was drafted he was drafted ahead of jamar chase he was drafted ahead of Jalen waddle like this guy was seen as generational talent people still see him that way he broke julio jones's team record for rookie receiving yards last year and was the second tight end ever in nfl history to top 1,000 yards. Which, by the way, 1,000 yards in one touchdown is just, like, that's impossible. That's impossible to do. And, that's a Julio thing to do. Yeah, it's, and even Julio was at least, like, three touchdowns, like, four. Like, he, he have 1,600-yard seasons with, with four touchdowns. But I get that he was hardly involved in the first two weeks. I get that the guy just doesn't catch touchdowns for whatever reason. But we talk about following the air yards and that led us to gold in week three with Chris Olave and Kyle Pitts is 20th in the league among all positions in, in air yards this year. He is, uh, currently at about 16, a 16 a dot through three games. And that's with Marcus Mariota as his quarterback. Uh, keep, keep that in mind. I just think he's one of the most talented guys in the league and, Again, not going to live up to the pre-draft value, but he's not a guy. If I have him, I'm not trading him away because I still think he can be a big-time asset for your team. And the only thing standing in his way are bad bad coaching and bad quarterbacking, which, you know what, that sucks to deal with. It's going to make him inconsistent, but he is still awesome and will have good weeks.
1: But if you thought you were getting either of those when you drafted him you thought that was the reality. <laughs> like then you you you're you're just a bad fantasy football player yep.
0: like we knew that coming in yep um there are not a lot of things that that we know for certain before the nfl season but one thing i could definitely tell you is that marcus Mariota is going to not be a good real life quarterback now he could be an okay fantasy quarterback with the rushing but real life quarterback uh the dude didn't even get a Hail Mary off against a three-man rush uh, to try and beat the Rams in week two.
1: <laughs> uh, and shame on everybody who just, like, put Delaney Walker's stats on Twitter and was like, why can't Kyle Pitts do this? <laughs> like, the laziest fantasy anal- analysis I saw this offseason was that right there.
0: Uh, speaking of the Rams, uh, Dalton, we have to do it, unfortunately. A guy that it was literally a competition between you and I who could rank him the highest this offseason. And Allen Robinson... He is currently the wide receiver 66 in fantasy football, averaging a cool 6.1 points per game through three weeks. He's had some drops, including, I think he dropped a touchdown even in in week three. Um, he is yet to, I, I don't think he's topped. I don't know what the number is. I thought I had it here. There we go. He has not topped 60 yards since 2020. So been a while, uh, how are we feeling about Allen Robinson through three weeks? Uh, I, I'm feeling a little bit less good about the wide receiver one season, but what do you think?
1: Well, I have him at eight.
0: Wow. Uh, You're higher than, okay, I have him at a five. So I have a concern, but not like you. Well, would he is fourth on the team in targets
1: behind Ben Skoranek Yep. Tyler Higby, yep. like I know it's a meme on Twitter right now, but it, it's like, can Matthew Stafford target anybody but white guys at
0: this point? Because that's <laughs> all he's doing. Uh, it's frustrating. I Tyler Higby looks like, you know, when you played football at recess, when, when you were a kid and like there's, there's a, a, every elementary school, there's like a couple big kids who weren't really good athletes, but they'd be out there on the football field, get the ball. Run so upright and be so... If you're able to get tackle football in at your school without teachers knowing. You couldn't you couldn't bring them down because they ran so upright and they were just big and strong. That's how Tyler Higbee runs, except he's in the NFL, so he's not faster than anybody. And he can still get flattened because there are other athletes uh, out there as well. He is very bad.
1: The Rams have run seven tight end screens, Tyler Higbee, <laughs> by the way. Which, like... I'm starting to wonder if, like, Sean McVay's an on-again off-game coach. Like, one year he's good, one year he's bad because <laughs> he's following that trend right now. Yep. Um, And offensively, this team's just not getting anything going. The Cardinals suck. Like, I'm sorry, defensively, that team sucks. Mm-hmm. And they scored 20 points against them, and the way they were scoring points was basically Cooper Cup doing all the work, which is what we saw them rely on in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, one, really win.
0: What one of his touchdowns was uh, – to be score more than one, his one touchdown that he had at least was uh was the an end around. Like it, yeah. it, it was no passing involved, no Matthew Stafford, very little offensive line work. Which those are my two concerns with this offense right now: is Matthew Stafford and offensive line. Well, uh, that's my bigger
1: concern. Is like Matt Harmon talked about. Matt Harmon still thinks Allen Robinson is playing at an elite level but he's having slow developing plays mm-hmm. and he's running the slow developing routes. And Matthew Stafford, one, doesn't have the offensive line to do it. And two, doesn't have the patience for it. Um, so he's throwing these checkdowns. He, I mean, if you watch the all 22 of the Cardinals game, which I did because I didn't get to see any of the game up red zone, it's disgusting. Like Matt Stafford looks towards Cooper Cup and does not pull away. Um, it, I mean, there's a rapport there. And if you have Cooper Cup, you feel great. But if you have anybody else or you touted Allen Robinson, you feel really bad. Mm-hmm. And your only hope is that either the offensive line play approves, which I don't think it will, or this offense like changes the way run functionally. And I don't think that's going to happen either. And that's why I'm kind of panicking about Allen Robinson.
0: So the, the reason why I'm a little less panicked than you, is you mentioned it with Harmon, uh, he, he still says that Allen Robinson is playing at, Basically, what he said was a pretty similar to his 2021 form, which was good despite the terrible production in Chicago. So he himself, it's not like he's fallen off a cliff, not like he's not playing well through three weeks. I'm just like there have been multiple plays I've seen where it just seems like he and Stafford just aren't quite on the same page yet. Like maybe some option routes where one thought one was doing this and one thought he, he was doing another thing, and there, it, the play didn't work out because of that. And then, you know, Alan Robinson, if he just catches the ball more this year, would have some better-looking numbers right now. But through three games, he is at seven catches for 88 yards. He had the one touchdown in week two. Um, on the drive, they basically were like, we're going to make sure you realize we did take him for a reason and yep. force-fed him the ball. Yep, yep. Um, the bright side. Outside of him playing well individually, he and Cooper Cup are tied for sixth in the NFL among wide receivers and red zone targets. They both have six through three weeks, so he is at least getting looks down there. But you mentioned the downside. He's not getting looks many other places. He is fourth on the team in target share. And uh, I don't even know how to say it. Skournik? is at a 13% target share, and A-Rob is lower than that. So... Is and not, Van Jefferson's
1: gonna probably come back week, eight, by the way.
0: Yeah, probably so that that's a ways off but yeah, I, I it probably will. It just concerns
1: me more. Um, I think this not is feeling a, good.
0: I think this is a situation that you obviously are watching closely. You're paying attention to the usage. If you have reception perception or you follow people who do the film work, you pay attention to what they say about him as a player. Um How he's playing, I think that'll be something I'm watching really closely. But he's another one where, if you want to sit him down for a week, I I can't blame you. I know not all people can do that, but if you want to wait and have him prove it, I I totally get it. Yeah, me too.
1: Um, and it's just hard for me because I do think you listen to the people who do the film work, like Matt Harmon. It's just really hard. We're at. Like almost a 20-game sample size of two of like two and a half years of people saying he is actually really good. It's just bad quarterback play. Uh to eventually be like, well, why? You, you know, at some point you have to wonder, is this guy just not good enough? I think he still is, but then it comes to like is Sean McVay just not care enough? Like, do they think Cooper Cup with 13 targets is the way to another Super Bowl?
0: I think it's like the way to over to the, the rare feat of overworking a receiver like a running back is what they're trying to do with, with Cooper Cup. It, it appears. Just do it with him. Just do it with <laughs> Al Robinson. Okay, last one. Joe Burrow. You said we were going to talk about him. Let's talk about him. Uh, he, amazingly, is still like the QB7 right now, despite a million turnovers week one. And I think getting sacked seven or eight times against the Cowboys and, you know, he played the Jets. He put up 220 and three. So it was good, but not great. But it's all good enough to, to get him uh, to that QB7 point where the numbers look fine. But, Dalton, I'm curious if the eye test is telling you anything different as far as how you feel about Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. I've met eight. Really? Uh,
1: yeah, well, for one. This, I mean, and this is something that a lot of people need to be held accountable for. He was like QB4 on some people's rankings going into the season. Like, Mm -hmm. he was ranked above Mahomes. He was ranked above Jackson. He was ranked above Jalen Hurts. And, I mean, you couldn't be more far off from that. If you Mm -hmm. took any of those guys, your team's probably looking well. If you took, like, Burrow probably lost you week one. He finished with, like, what, three or four points, if I'm right, in that game that went to overtime. Um, I stole this from The Athletic because I think it's really... Helpful. Joe Burrow is on pace to see cover two three 318 times this season. Yep. Last year, the quarterback who saw cover two the most was Josh Allen with 168. Yep. Like this is the definition of guys had film on him and the film is getting put to work and it's, it's working. I mean, if you watch him out there, he, he does not have the deep looks. There is not a single player uh, or not a single team. That's like giving him the one shots to Jamar which is the reason he finished so high last year. Yeah. And th- I don't think the offensive line got better at all. Like I know well, they it's put it's, a lot of money into it. It's,
0: it's tough to know because number one, they, I hardly saw them against the jets. And then the first two weeks they are playing TJ Watt and Micah Parsons, who might be two of the three biggest game wreckers uh, yeah. in the NFL. So, and then Burrow is in the Russell Wilson vein and Justin Fields, obviously too, where they do their offensive line, no favors, hold the ball. And in the case of Burrow, he does make a lot of plays doing that, but he also takes a lot of sacks and does not do his offensive linemen any favors as far as making them look good to the public (laughs) eye. Well, and I might say
1: his players make the plays for him when he holds the ball, (laughs) to be fair. In, in, In a
0: lot of cases that could be true. Yeah.
1: But I, and like I said, with Justin Herbert, I and you and me were on this boat when they were a Super Bowl team. I think Zach Taylor is like a horrible play caller. Yeah. I think he's very bad at it. He runs way too often on first and ten. And I still like I don't think Joe Burrow is an elite quarterback. I think Joe Burrow is an above average quarterback. You know he he he's better than guys like Baker for sure, but he he doesn't deserve that tier of Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. No, think.
0: but I do think he's next tier, which is lower than some people have in the offseason. But I I've been pretty consistent in feeling that way since last year too. That he, yeah. he's like in that next group.
1: He's like Dak. I mean Dak didn't win a Super Bowl, but I just I feel like I'll put those two in the same category pretty frequently.
0: Yeah, and so I'm at a three because. I do just think with the weapons and with the volume that he's going to have, he is going to to scratch his way to a top ten to twelve season. Now, like you said, if you ranked him as QB four or five, then yeah, you should feel pretty bad about that right now, and probably I'm pulling receipts on those. And, and and whatever. probably you're you're at like an eight or a nine um, if you ranked him that way. But I, I just think even with as bad as it's looked, and it's looked pretty bad at points to start this season, their weapons and the volume is going to carry the day. And I still think Burrow is a good quarterback. Like, uh, he, he's not great. He's not Mahomes. He's not Rodgers. He's not Herbert. But I i think he is a very good NFL quarterback. Um, It's funny – the ringer and the athletic have both done a lot of stuff on, on this offense. And to pull a little bit from, from both of those places here, um, you mentioned the cover two stuff with, from the athletic part of their problem is their running game and their passing game do not work off of each other at all. And why that's a problem is because every time they're running the ball, they're running it against a stacked box because they run from under center. And every time they throw the ball, they're throwing against cover two to two safeties high because they are they're passing shot. out of the shotgun and not just out of shotgun. They line up their receivers wide clear across the entire field. So they telegraph exactly what they're doing every time. Give themselves no advantages that I mean, like Joe Mixon. Should not like, should be facing almost no stacked boxes, but he's he's running against stacked boxes as if this is the 2019 Bengals because of what his coach is doing with the offense right now. Um, and then I don't remember the stat offhand, but just what you need to know is over the last year and change. They've been one of the worst teams in the NFL in that first 15 plays in, in the scripted plays, which just tells you that Zach Taylor is a bad offensive coach and should probably not be calling the plays for this team. If that doesn't change, that is going to be a problem for this offense all year, but not so much that I don't think that these guys can overcome it and have productive seasons. We just, we won't be getting a top six Borough season and a top-two Jamar Chase season, and a top-eight T Higgins season, if things keep rolling how they're rolling right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I I do just think they don't get better. I mean, and part of that is because I don't like Zach Taylor, and it's not a personal thing. It's a, He's a bad play caller. I mean, I'm not going to say he lost them the Super Bowl, but Samaj P. Ryan, third and <laughs> one, I don't know what you're doing there. Uh, And that like, you had to know this was coming at least partially as a coach to say last year we won on cover one and the other, you know, quote unquote, great quarterbacks had to face cover two and had to redirect it. And I mean, like not a one-to-one, but Tyreek Hill and both saw like a lot more cover two, you would expect that. And none of those adjustments have been made. It looks like they were completely lost the first two weeks, and I'm not really going to give them a benefit of the doubt for playing all right against a Jets team with Joe Flacco leading them. Well, and
0: and the Jets don't play a lot of cover two, and they blitz a lot. And Burrow was able to torch that look last week, so they weren't even getting the cover two looks as much that that they struggle against so much the first two weeks. Dalton, real quick before we get out of here, I'm not even going to read this full trade aloud, but I'll put it up here, Uh, Julio. Take the DeAndre Swift side of this trade and run with it if this is being offered. I know uh, Kristen Kirk is off to a nice start and Eckler is is Eckler, but uh, DeAndre Swift, I'm, I'm taking that. Plus, you know, Chris Godwin, like, feels like a throw-in, and this is a big trade. Take the Swift side. Yeah, I love that
1: for the Swift side as well. Um, I mean, you get Jamal, who's, like, a direct handcuff for him. Mm-hmm. Mike Williams and Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin might play this week, so mm-hmm. I would get him before I can. I mean, Christian Kirk's playing unreal, um, but like, he's also not as talented as any of the wide receivers on the other end of that trade. And when it comes like weeks 12 through 17, I like to bet on talent, not on just usage. And then I, like we said earlier, I'm not going to be big on Eckler. I think that that I'm very concerned about Eckler going forward.
0: Yep. I was at a 10 Dalton was at an eight uh, concern, I believe for Austin Eckler. So things not looking so good there. Quite a few of these guys we are quite panicked on. I'll be curious to see how we feel about, I'll, I'll keep this list of 10 in my back pocket and we'll take a look back at it and, in a month and, and see and see where we're at. And that is going to do it for episode 84 of the Half Point Per Podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to search Half Point Per Podcast. The link to all of that is in the show notes. You can listen to us anywhere you find your podcast, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with some more waiver Wire talk on Monday and then podcasts later in the week next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you all have a successful fantasy weekend and we will talk to you all very soon.